Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 75 of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. Great to have you in. We have a lot to talk about. Our main topic, avoiding becoming a showcase player. That's a trend, unfortunately, that continues to climb upwards. A lot more showcase players and not as many ball players. We'll talk about that. Our main topic, a lot to discuss, so let's get into it. As always, joined by professionally evaluator, successful business owner, former coach, friend, co-host. He had a long day, but he is revved up, ready to rock and roll. Jake Epstein. Rock and roll. You know what's funny? I have better lighting than usually you have better lighting than me. Tonight, if you people watching on the YouTube side, I actually have better lighting than you do, which is very surprising. Well, I got this light right above my head. I can't get rid of. You do, you do, but you look a little more uh, blurry. And I can't yeah. see your face. It's and late. you don't have a hat on tonight. No, it's late. It's late at night. It's uh, I'm down in Texas. Maybe there's more humidity in the air. Maybe. I don't, think I don't so. know. But you look terrific. I do. Yeah, I got, my liver feels great, so we're, we're all good. Ready to so help me tonight. Revved up. Yeah, that's right. Well, I had some cheese before I came on the air. You do a great job, by the way. Pope, promise your promise, filling your promises of of posting on your social media at Epstein hitting on both Twitter and Instagram. And I say that because last week we discussed it about Chris Taylor and his elbows. And this week you posted another video on your social media and you said in quotation marks, launch to contact in quotes. So what did you mean by launch to contact? And I invite everybody for more visual and context to go take a look at Epstein hitting on Twitter to see that tweet and what we're talking about right now. But what did you mean by launch to contact? Yeah, I mean, we, we have certification training tomorrow uh, morning or the beginning of it, the beginning of the weekend tomorrow morning. And it's, well, that's what I'm going to start with. Um, it is what you do from launch to contact makes you efficient or not efficient. And if you're efficient, you'll get to the ball consistently at, at the same time and consistently at the same speed. So then you can use your timing, but timing doesn't matter if, Sometimes you get a little longer with your swing or if you bar your push your arm out or you cast the bat or you have bat drag. Again, this is more for, for younger players. You know, big leaguers don't have this problem because if they did have that problem, they wouldn't be playing anymore. Um, you know, they wouldn't have gotten out of high school. So right. um, launch to contact launches, you know, heel plant when the front heel plants or right before maybe the front heel plants, the ball of the foot, you know, strikes to usually a frame or two after contact towards extension, you know, 95% of uh, major league hitters are going to fit into this exact same um, sequence and category from those moves. So as a, as a coach or an instructor, that's what we're focusing on a lot at the young age. And then, you know, we can build bat speed and we can build rhythm and we can build ground force and we can build rotational velocity, all that kind of stuff comes after because without being efficient and having a good swing plane from launch to contact, none of that other stuff really matters. So I'm, I'm picturing launch to contact here. I'm just trying to paint more of a picture uh, for our listeners. Launch to contact is kind of, if you look at it from, from video side of things, launch to contact is almost skipping over frames or almost frame by frame by frame to contact. It's not going one by one, breaking down each 
piece and sequence of the load and everything that comes between the load, the stance, the load, and then the point of contact, right? Yeah, we're 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 taking out the beginning and we're taking out the end. And mm-hmm. we're focusing on the frames. If you go to contact and you add, you know, it obviously depends on your frame rate, but you know, for most phones or something like that. Mm-hmm. If you add a few frames after contact and then you pull back frames before contact and you just focus on everything after the stride, after rhythm and mm-hmm. before the follow through. That's kind of what we're talking about. Also, another thing, too, that was circulating this week on social media about the arm bar. Some people mm-hmm. think it's the worst thing in humanity ever. It's like the worst yeah. thing in sports, the arm bar. And we've talked about it before on this show. Let's revisit the arm bar, though. Good, bad, indifferent. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the arm bar? What is your teachings based off that? Yeah, I wouldn't teach someone to do it. Right, um, right, right. <laughs> but there's a there's a ton of uh, great players that that had a, a front arm that was straighter, mm-hmm. may not completely locked out. So let's yeah. be different. Um, you know, straighter. You know, maybe like 160 degrees or something like that with the arm. It has to do with when it straightens. So if it straightens during the load, mm-hmm. then typically it's okay. So if the front arm gets straight during the load and the stride, but as soon as we go to rotate our upper body, it stays the same, even if it is straight. Those of you that are watching on YouTube, so I'll scoot back a little bit. So even if it's straight like this, as long as when I rotate, it goes together. Yeah. It's when you go to rotate and then it gets straighter. That's when it's a problem. So if you're starting your rotation and then you arm bar or leave your hands behind, then it's really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's just a straight arm, and you go to rotate and it stays at roughly the, the same angle, even though that angle is, you know, straighter than, you know, 90 degrees, then that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can look at, uh, go back and see Ted Williams did it. You can go, go and see, um, you know, right now Tatis kind of has a, a straighter front arm. Mm-hmm. Um, even Machado has a straighter front arm. So there's a lot of guys that do it. There's a lot of guys that don't. Well, and the one guy that comes to mind too, the most is Michael Young. He had a big time arm bar. Yeah. Michael Young from the Rangers? Yes. Wow, where'd you pull that one out of? Wow. Michael Young, that dude could hit. Not Little a big database. Well, I was gonna yeah. know, that's what I, that's what I was getting at. He he mm-hmm. guy could flat out hit. He had some of the best bat to ball skills ever. Yeah. Maybe not ever. In my lifetime that I've seen. And I mean, he, he, obviously, he was very good with Texas. He, that was the peak of his career. But yeah. he was always a very solid hitter and always somebody. At one point, he was the best hitter in the league. And I he had say, I thought very, he won a batting title. He may have won a batting title. One sure. And he had a very pronounced arm bar. And even Joe Morgan on Sunday Night Baseball, I think it was in 2007, brought it up on a, yeah. I don't know, it was a Red Sox Rangers game in 07 that I remember. And Joe Morgan brought up how he had the arm bar and he talked about how he also could make adjustments based off that arm bar. So there was a guy who the arm bar actually really worked for in his favor. It seemed like and sometimes and you're going to arm bar more on pitches away. You're going to straighten that. Mm-hmm. I don't really like to use the word arm bar, but you're going to straighten your lead arm out sooner on pitches middle away mm-hmm. on pitches middle in. You're not going to, you know, it'll naturally stay bent. You know, some of the, sometimes when I'm doing scouting, I'll look for players that maybe do both. Um, so if they have somewhat of a straighter front arm, I'm like, okay, like they're doing it at the right time. It's not, it's not detrimental to their swing. And then if they get an inside pitch and all of a sudden that arm bends more, 
Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, this dude really has some control over his body and what he's trying to do. So um, a lot of times I like to see that. Not very many players are able to do that, but the ones that are um, usually have some special kind of skills and moves. Well, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. Leave a review as well on Apple or on Google, Spotify, and of course our YouTube page, The Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast for archived episodes you can watch this episode other episodes and clips etc etc uploading content every day email is jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com for all of your questions as well hey i found a quote i thought you'd uh, really enjoy it um and it, it pertains to a clubhouse a locker room life in general but especially a clubhouse we've been talking kind of in a series here the last few weekends weeks about college baseball and we've branched off into different topics as it pertains to college baseball, but it also pertains to pro ball as well. And this quote comes from, uh, it's on the graphic. Okay. So I gave the guy, Oh, Fulton J Sheen. That's it. But it's on the graphic, his name with the quote. So people can see it on YouTube, but I do want to give him credit on the audio side. Fulton J Sheen. Here's the quote. All badness is spoiled by goodness. A bad apple is a good apple that became rotten because evil has no capital of its own. It is a parasite that feeds on goodness. So it goes for recruiting kids to play at your school and also in a clubhouse as well. I just thought it was very pertained to sports and pertained to baseball, especially because you're around everybody for so many games, so many days yeah. a year. No, you know, you, you talk about, rotten fruit you know mm -hmm. that rotten fruit will destroy uh every piece of fruit in your refrigerator mm -hmm. um but it's not like the healthy fruit helps the healthy fruit stay healthy longer yeah. you know so you got to be really careful with with people that are that are toxic i mean look at ted lasso uh the last episode of ted lasso you know we saw right. a bad apple uh in there mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't watch it but no it's it's uh mm. that's a great quote yeah, it really is. Bolton J. Sheen. Yeah, because it could be it could be anything. It could be the workplace. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, it could be your, your family. It could be your marriage. Mm. So it's good. Yeah, family, certain family members. Sure. Yeah, your marriage. Whoa. Yeah, you got a bad apple. <laughs> Maybe you got a couple wives. You got four or five wives. You could, but that's one like a, a, that's a Dateline episode waiting to happen right there. Yeah, and then it ruins it for <laughs> What are you talking about? You brought up the wife thing, not me. We're not insinuating anything. First of all, I'm not even married, so it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't I'm matter. good. Um, Be sure to follow us, too, on social media. Ep is so in all seriousness, he is putting up great content with the MLB postseason and hitters and et cetera. Last week, we talked about Chris Taylor and his elbows. That was a great mm -hmm. discussion. So go back and listen to that. But again, at Epstein hitting at Jim Tara on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Let's get into our main topic rolling right along here on this episode number 75. Avoid becoming a showcase player. And I was thinking about this today with all of the data and and. We encourage you to go back and listen to last week's episode where we talked about college recruiting myths. And the one myth that we busted that happens to be a fact, and, and Ep, you can, you can attest to this, we talked about how college coaches look for certain data points, maybe whether it be TrackMan or it be Hawkeye or Blast Motion Technology. So that is fact. And I got to thinking about this today. 
where Dustin Pedroia, for example, we've used this example on the show before, and he admitted this in his book. He said that he was a horrible batting practice hitter. And so I thought about it and him going into Pat Murphy's office at Arizona State. We've said the story before, and he went up to Pat and said, hey, I'm your starting what was it, shortstop or second baseman. I, this is what I read in his book. And yeah. Pat Murphy looked at him and the scrawny kid and said, who are you again? And I'm yeah. thinking with Dustin Bedroy, he was the very opposite. Three-time world champion, by the mm-hmm. way, with the Boston Red Sox, probably going to go into their Hall of Fame, into their Hall of Fame, maybe not the MLB Hall of Fame. But I look at a guy like Pedroy, he was the opposite of being of a showcase player. He was a true ball player. And what we're seeing today with kids trying to hit certain data points because they want to get noticed at all these showcases, which, by the way, there's not as many showcases that are prominent and mean something. And there's more showcase players that are being developed, unfortunately, and not enough ball players. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, to be a gamer is, is, is just what it sounds like. It's, it's to produce during stressful environments. It's to produce during competition. Um, there, there are, you know, showcases. You, you have to do certain things maybe to get people's eye on things. Like if you run really fast, if you run a 6-4, well, you know what? Let's see what you can do. I mean, there's a lot of college players that get to play college baseball because they run a 6-4 and they have a terrible arm and they don't hit very well. But it's like, okay, that speed, all they got to do is put it in play or all they got to do is, you know, hit the ball to the out. We, we don't need them to hit balls over the outfielder's head. So maybe an exit velocity of 80-something miles an hour is fine for somebody like that. But for most of the, most of the time, I remember Gary Ward was probably the first one. At, I don't know if he was at New Mexico State when I read this, or I'm pretty sure he was at New Mexico State and not at Oklahoma State, but maybe he was. And he said, um, off of a tee, if a guy can't hit a ball 90 miles an hour, then I'm not going to recruit him because he's not going to hit the ball hard enough. That was mm-hmm. the thing. I don't care where it goes. I don't care what he does. But if he hits at 90, I'll take a look. Now I'll see if he can run a little bit, if he can throw a little bit. Can he play defense? Can he be a gamer too? So, you know, a lot of times those those data points or those statistics get you on a map where, okay, let's see someone. Yeah. But then you have to go out and perform. So if you have these, I can take a three crow hops and throw the ball 90 across the infield, but in a game I only throw it 70 across the infield. Well, they're going to see that. So yeah. the best advice I can give you is, is kind of what we do with the lab a lot, especially preseason is, um, or as we're building right up to the season is we create a stressful environment for our players. You know, we train mm-hmm. mechanics, we train rhythm, we train, uh, you know, using the whole field barrel control, all that stuff, you know, in the off season. So they have those skills, but when the season is like next week or two weeks away, we're going to start cranking up the machines. We're going to start adding more break to breaking balls and we're going to stress them out a little bit because if we can teach them in a stressed out environment or a stressful environment, then when they get into the game, it won't be as difficult or it won't be as fast for them. And if it's not as difficult and not as fast, then they can go out and, and succeed in the game part of the showcase, which is really what the recruiters want to see. They want to see you perform when the lights come on. So Mm -hmm. yes, it's great. If you can, you know, hit a ball hard off a tee. Oh, okay. That person hits the ball hard. What else can they do? Well, if you can hit the ball really hard, but you can't do anything else, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't. Like if you swing really hard off a tee, coaches aren't stupid. You know, they say, okay, why do they want to see you hit a ball off a tee? They just yeah. want to see what kind of strength and barrel speed and 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 how hard you hit the ball. But if you can't replicate that in maybe 10 or 15 at-bats yeah. in a live situation, then they're going to be like, well, that's not going to play at the next level. So 
you don't want to train that way, you know, and, and again, I'm, maybe I'm controversial with this, you know, with everybody saying you got to swing really hard all the time, swing hard, you know, train your body to, to swing hard and swing fast. But I like to build up to that. I like to work on finding barrels because swinging hard and swinging fast, if it doesn't show up in a game, doesn't matter. Now, maybe it does, you know, for some people and that's fine, but swinging hard and really fast just doesn't fix everything. You know, people say, oh, you'll self-organize your, your, your body. Yeah. Like the top 3% of athletes in the world will do that. But little kids, if you just make them swing hard, they're going to swing hard with really bad mechanics all the time. Yeah. They're going to bat drag swinging hard. They're going to roll their wrists harder. So, you know, when people say, Oh, you don't need to, you know, change things or teach you, you really do. Like, you can add the strength later, but if they have catastrophic issues, it doesn't work. They're not going to fix catastrophic issues just by swinging harder and, 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 and something heavier. So, um, you know, I got a little off topic there, but. Well, no, because it, I think, know. well, it's your point though. There's also this thing out there that, that chaos, that there's some that are for yeah. it and then there are others that are against it. The San Francisco giants did it this year, mm-hmm. but I think you found the middle ground there and building up to that chaos, not just going straight for chaos as some people like to advocate for. Let's be, let's be honest. Some people do like to advocate for that on social media and mm-hmm. others, not so much. They like to build from the ground up the base and then kind of work up to that. And others, they just don't, they avoid it completely, which is, fine too. That's again, that's their teaching. That's their business. And that's not right or wrong. But from our vantage point, our perspective, the way uh, how I decipher it is that you like to build up to that chaos. You're not going right into the chaos and then continually doing that every single session. Right. I mean, if I was working with a major league team mm-hmm. that doesn't need mechanical <laughs> need to work on any mechanical issues or right or rhythm and then yeah you can you can get as nasty as you want with those guys but yeah if you got high school kids and and younger that have issues that that's just they're never gonna hit a ball like they're they're gonna get frustrated if you overmatch them so you have to know your audience right you have to know who your your uh your customer is who you're who you're teaching you know maybe it's a a major league player or you're a major league coach and maybe you're coaching a 10 year old you know select team Mm -hmm. um you know, how you train those, you, it's, there's no one way to do that. You, you have to, you know, figure out and you have to figure out the players. There's major leaguers that want them. There's major leaguers that'll look at you and be like, uh, no, like <laughs> the last thing I want to do is that bat shoved up my, you know what? Yeah. 25 minutes before the game starts. But and, if he, but if that player you're working with him at the major league level and he's over mm-hmm. 16, Obviously, you're going back to more of a mechanical approach or focus or timing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, OK, it, but if he's Kike Hernandez, who's ripping the cover off the ball in the postseason or our national MVP, or if it's Bryce Harper, who's been yeah. hot all year, you might maybe ramp it up to chaos. If they want it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and they don't have to hit chaos. They can see chaos. Mm hmm. So I'm a big believer in tracking, tracking timing, but not necessarily, you know, you crank that machine to hundred miles an hour, hundred something miles an hour, maybe hit one out of five. Yeah. Or I should even say swing at one out of five, Mm -hmm. just see the, see the movement, see the speed, train your eyes, you know, start to kind of figure out how that ball's moving, how it feels. Mm -hmm. Um, But you don't have to swing at everyone. You know, you just have to see that, you know, see that slider, see that sinker. 
and the way it spins. That's really important. Well, I'm, I think Chris Bryant, I'm putting you on the spot. I think Chris Bryant may have said that he worked on that last off season or whenever it was years ago. Like he, yeah. um, you know, he was one of the first guys to really train at high speeds. Yeah. Um, he got a swing away. And then this, as the story goes, he told Rizzo to get a hack, you know, a, a hack attack, a, a mm-hmm. big one. And crank it up. And so after the first, whatever, 20 minutes or so, Rizzo called Brian and he's like, are you supposed to be terrible on it? (laughs) Yeah. And Brian said, yeah, it's really, really hard. Like you're not because it doesn't shoot it straight. Right. It's they cut and they they'll they'll run and then they'll cut in and it's and but it does. It creates that chaos. Um, The difference with Brian was this year is that he worked on really high pitches and trying to you know, trying to flatten his swing a little bit. We'll be doing a Chris Bryant episode, a mechanical breakdown series of him when we get to our free agent, uh, top 10 Major League Baseball free agents. He is one of the hitters that we'll be discussing and breaking down his swing as well. Let's move on with tonight's athlete, topic, though. By the way. He is a good athlete, yes. God, he can athlete. run. He's so smooth at everything. Play all over, yeah. Who would have profiled? He can play right field, by the way, which is I figured that out the other night. When the Giants were still in the postseason, I saw him in right center field. field. Yes, yeah, you know, I I didn't know he played center. I thought he played left, and he played a little third. Yeah, all through career, Uh, he he can move. Um, Moving on with our topic today on this episode seventy five: avoid becoming a showcase player. Chasing rankings, players do that too. And I saw Darren Ruff, of course, the Giants. He was a key contributor to the middle of their lineup this season. In their 100 plus win season, spent some time overseas, kind of revamping his career, came up with Philadelphia 20th round draft selection out of Creighton. He was unranked. I saw this on Twitter, too. I think it was two days ago. I don't know. Sometime last week. He was unranked by perfect game. Perfect game. No, we have nothing against perfect game, but they at times really mess like it's like Twitter messes with people's heads. They mess with players heads. Yeah. And I saw and I see that a lot. And I was it was around when I was playing, too. But the chasing the ranking, that's what players do as well, which inadvertently, whether they know it or not, and parents don't really know it either. Sorry, parents, you don't uh, that because of chasing rankings, they're becoming showcase players. Yeah, I mean, there's only. You know, there, there should only be about. You know, 10 or less dudes in every state like if you're gonna have rankings don't have the 40th best shortstop you know what i mean like there's a cut and dry between the guys that are going to be in the first one or two maybe three rounds and then Mm -hmm. everyone else that just has to work hard to get there right there's freaks in everything that we do that's why some people go to mit and harvard and some people go to LaSalle. you knew that was coming jim you know what i am a i'm a freak at what i do as a podcaster so booyah baby yeah, you know, or they go to Fullerton, like, you know, it, it's just the way it is. Um, or Rutgers, you know. And... No, wait, wait, Rutgers Camden or Rutgers New Brunswick? There's two. I don't know, whichever, whichever. Whichever one Tony Soprano did a semester at. So the, the big Are you talking thing about is... the Tony Soprano of the Saints of Newark or Tony Soprano in the actual Soprano? Tony, Tony, Tony. He, went to, Tony. he went to Rutgers New Brunswick. Yeah. So, you know, you have to... Yes. If you chase that stuff, it's a joke. And there's yeah. so many players that aren't highly touted or highly ranked. And we I mean, mean this for softball know. players, too, by the way. Just Same to be thing clear. for softball. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have players, you know, baseball, perfect games in love with freaks. They're in love with athletes. So you look at rough. 
You know, he was big, right? Yeah. Like he was big. He's not, he's not Chris Bryant big, you know, meaning six, five and slender and can jump out of a gym, you know, yeah. and can run really fast. He's big and kind of an outfielder first baseman that doesn't move real well, right. but he hits the ball really hard. So they're like, okay, this guy can do one thing, but he's going to Creighton, you know, or whatever. I mean, I guess they didn't know then, but you know, he wasn't the highest rated guy out of his state. There's tons of those players. Like yeah. you can't, as a player, don't get, don't get concerned with that because the people that are in there and highly ranked do things that other people don't do. You know, they're faster and they're more athletic and they hit balls further and they throw balls harder, but it doesn't mean that you can't. It just means you aren't when you're 15 years old. And that's when the rankings come out. Yeah. Which is, I mean, 15 years old, I was a, I was nothing. Yeah. I didn't have a hair on my chin. Mm-hmm. Like Jay I was chin chin. Yeah. That, puberty had not hit. Mm-hmm. I did not hit balls over the fence. It wasn't even close. And then I ended up playing professional baseball. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you don't know. I see it every day. I see kids that um, there's a kid we work with here that um, is an absolute monster at age like 13 yeah. or 12. Like he is a foot and a half taller than everyone else. And he, and he's good too. Like he's athletic and he moves well, but he's just way better than the competition. So he's going to stick out, right? He's a unicorn out yeah. there. He goes to a field and people are like, Oh my gosh, this guy. Now, if he, he, he kid works his butt off, he's, you know, like he's not just a lazy, big, strong kid. Like he hits all the time. He works out. So, you know, he's going to go places, but there's a lot of kids that are just early matures and they go onto this field and they're better and bigger and faster and stronger than everyone else. And so people say, oh, well, here's the number one prospect in the state. Right. And then all of a sudden he still is when he's 15 or 16, even if he's not getting better, he had that ranking early. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he drops out when he's 18, but by then, you know, he's already committed to a college. Why? Because he's better than everyone else at that age. And then yeah. all of a sudden, oh, well, he committed to a big time, you know, SEC school, you know, he, his rankings are going to still be there. So um, you just you just never know. And, and I'm not saying that the rankings are bad for those players. I'm saying that for players that aren't highly ranked, it doesn't mean that you aren't good enough to do what you want to do. You know, and let's you be clear. Play, yeah, but, to do it. And let's be clear, too. Perfect game. They have some really good scouts, but they're also in the money making business and they're not looking necessarily for guys who are going to be late bloomers like a Darren Ruff, for example. And there's countless others out there that have played professional baseball or are playing professional baseball at the major league level or in minor league baseball who were unranked as teenagers by perfect game. Yeah, major league scouts aren't going to the perfect game website and getting right. From there. Right. They're, they're doing it themselves, mm-hmm. you know, in person. Um, that's what you have to know. And, and they are, they're, they're a business and they, they have a really good business model. Um, I was speaking with somebody the other day um, and they were telling me they run, I don't know how many tournaments a year, you know, 4,000 tournaments or something like that. And they yeah. own no fields. Yeah. So this is a company with zero overhead that's just organizing events and getting as many players through as many gates around the country. And I'm not saying that this is bad because it's good. Kids get to play, right? Mm-hmm. And if parents are going to pay, then great. The kids have an organized event to play at every single week if they want to. Right. Um, but it is just that. It is a business. Um, 
and they're getting people visibility if, if that's a good thing but you have to you have to know how to do that it's like social media right like the amount of mental health issues with people today teenagers today and younger yeah. because of social media yeah. it's the same thing if you're wrapped up in perfect game that could be a social media where oh, i'm not as good as this guy i'm not as fast as this guy i'm not as tall as right. this guy Right. And it becomes a problem. So get out there, do what you do and perform under the lights. We talked about it last week. If you need to go to a, a, a school that you feel like, you know what, I think I can play it, you know, whatever school, you know, Missouri, University of Missouri. But I live in Iowa and I don't have a lot of exposure. Go to that. Go to that showcase camp. Don't go to the kids camp. Go to the showcase camp yeah. and show them what you got. And if you show up and you perform, mm -hmm. people are going to notice that. Yeah. that you perform. They know it's a stressful environment. They know you're freaked out to be there. But if you all of a sudden show up in that environment and no one else does, it makes you look pretty good. So have confidence in yourself. Yeah. Just think of a guy like, and this, this goes across every sport, Jalen Hurts, for example, by the way, my God, I mean, how many times is that guy going to ruin the spread for me? Did it again against Tampa Bay the other night. <laughs> Just heartbreak, man. Guy completes 12 passes, and of course, he one pass he completes is on the two-point conversion. And, um, and there's numbers you can call for gambling addiction. I don't have a gambling addiction. I have a I have a heartbreak addiction. Oh, okay. Heartbreak problem, not so much addiction. <laughs> um uh, showcase hitters. What's your definition of a showcase hitter? Because you, again, coach at the collegiate level. Mm -hmm. And how do you avoid becoming a showcase? Because you can become a showcase player. But you can also become a showcase hitter. And I have an idea where you're going to go with this. But I'm going to give you the floor. Yeah. So, the, and I see all these videos um, when I'm, you know, scouting or reviewing players and doing mm -hmm. reports is, you know, I, I see a showcase player as somebody's throwing BP from – from 40 feet, they're throwing the ball 50 miles an hour. The ball's dropping at, uh, you know, 15 to 18 degrees and players are swinging up at 15 to 20 degrees and they're trying to launch everything out of the park mm -hmm. because if they show somebody they can hit the ball really far. Yeah. And they think, and the problem is the first two or three, they pull off, they top, they hit mm -hmm. little squivers and then all of a sudden, boom, they'll start to get into some. But to me, that, that swing plane doesn't work. Um, as soon as competition comes. So what I'll do is I'll see that player. Oh, they hit, they took, uh, you know, whatever they had 15 swings on the, on the field. They hit uh, six balls over the fence and they had uh, everything else was like a top spin ground ball or line drive to the pull side. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's, you know, obviously yeah. spinning, they're swinging up too much, um, whatever. Then that player gets into the game and they get blown away by every, every pitch uh, above 85 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. So that's a showcase hitter right there where your first round, you should try to get your timing. Yes. It's important to hit balls over the fence in a showcase. Okay. But if you take the first ball and you shoot a low line drive the other way, and then mm -hmm. the second ball, you hit another one there. And then the third ball, you hit a line drive to center field and you start working your way from opposite field to your power side then it shows you're a complete hitter. Plus it helps you get your timing. Like the worst thing you can do is be early on the first pitch or two, and you don't know where your timing is in batting practice. And all of a sudden you're early on the first five, and then you start to time it up where if you're late and you're just trying to shoot line drives and get loose the other way on your first couple swings, you're going to get your timing, your feel, 
you're going to find some barrels and then you can start to juice balls as you get more comfortable later in the round. So that's how not to be a showcase hitter. You know, a showcase hitter is I'm going to turn and burn on everything and launch it. And then you got to show up in a game. You know, you don't have to hit home run in a game, you know, hit a line drive up the middle. Yeah. Your first time up. Then if you want to get excited after that, you got house money, but there aren't a lot of home runs that are hit, you know, in, in showcases, there's a couple, right. But right. if you get hits and, and I think that's what they talked about. Who I read the Pedroia thing, or I saw it somewhere. Was it the guy from, yeah, it was Rooney uh, from uh, D one baseball, Mike Rooney. Mm-hmm. Um, he said when they were recruiting Pedroia, they said, you know, they were telling uh, Murph, he's not the biggest. He's, he's, you know, he's kind of unassuming and, He's only five, blah, blah, blah. He's 140 pounds or something like that as a freshman, but we need to give him a 70% scholarship. And Murph's like, well, what are you talking about? How is this? Why is that? And and, and, uh, sorry, Rooney, who was the assistant coach at the time, said, because every tournament we go to, he's the best hitter. He's the Mm -hmm. best player on the field at every tournament. And that's the same thing Scouts said, too. He doesn't have this tool. He doesn't have this tool. He doesn't have this tool, but he can play. But he can play. Right. And what do people notice? Gosh, every play. time I turn around, this guy's on base. Yeah. Every time I turn around, he's driving in a run. Every time yeah. I turn around, he's taking an extra base. Baseball people notice that. Yeah. Who are you trying to impress? Baseball people, college coaches, professional scouts, people that have been around the game. That's what they're going to notice. So what numbers, though, should players, good numbers, should they be chasing in a showcase in the game in practice yeah because sometimes it becomes there's a gray area there everybody's trying to hit the ball 95 plus off a tee yeah that's Which is re- i never understood that I don't and they're that. trying to throw the ball you know like 86 or higher across the infield yeah you know so they're just they don't care where the ball goes they just throw it as hard as they can because perfect game has a gun on them yeah. And if that, whatever the highest number is, perfect game is going to post. They don't care if the throw was accurate. They don't care if they took seven steps across the infield to make that throw to get their weight behind it. They don't care if that player hit a ground ball really, really hard into a net that's five feet away. Whatever that number is, will get posted. Yeah. Um, and I get it. Post a number. I don't have a problem with that. But mm-hmm. don't train to post that number. That's the big thing. Like, don't sit there and take 100 swings a day just trying to roll over a ground ball because the roll over the hard top spin ground ball is the hardest possible ball you'll hit off a tee. And if you train for that, you're going to have a bad swing. Yeah. So final tips here as we wrap up our topic. Just an overarch. How do you be, avoid becoming a showcase player? What should you focus on? You should focus on being a complete, a complete player. Uh-huh. A complete hitter, a complete fielder, and train yourself for that environment. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't overtrain the the stupid stuff. You know, I mean, you can do your pull downs and try to throw the ball as hard as you can, but when you get on the field, you got to look like you belong there, and you need to get hits in the game. So, if you want to get hits in the game, you better have a swing that's conducive to that, and yeah. not a swing that's going up twenty degrees. Um, where you're just kind of leaning back and spinning and trying to launch everything because that's not going to show up in games. It might show up in front toss or it might show up off a tee, but nobody's going to care about that. It might show up on the rankings because you're a big, strong person, 
but it's got to show up in the field. So try to train for the try to train for the games. Take ground balls. Take mm-hmm. a lot of ground balls that aren't dad or coach hitting fungos. You know, you can even set up a machine throwing top spin ground balls to you. Yeah. You know, test yourself, train yourself, stress yourself out. So when you get in that situation, it's it's not uh, it's not too much for you. Well, up, I know you're tired. Great job. As always, though, you're talking all day. You talked about hitting about hitting all day, and then you have one more hour with me. You're probably probably like, oh God. Get this, just get this up. But you still the pro that you are seamlessly went through that topic and others very, very nicely. So great Thank job. You. And I don't I don't mean that sarcastically. I do truly mean that. Great job. We do have one more segment. We have a listener question, and this is important. We need you to answer this listener question. Can you do it? Are you up for it? That's a rhetorical question because I know you are. Sorry, I was asleep. Did you say something, Jim? (laughs) So Tom wrote us and uh, Tom, I forget where he's from. Uh, Spring, Texas. That's where he's from. Well, he wrote us and Tom, if you're listening, I hope you are. Assuming you are, since you wrote to us, we will get to your question next week. I promise. We have to get to this question from loyal listener JJ because it has to do Jeez, with the Yankees. With the yes, with the Yankees making the coaching changes that they have this past week. So Tom, we, you, Tom had a great question too about the armbar. We'll get to that next week. Promise, Tom. Mm-hmm. So please stick with us on that. That's a good one. But we yeah, will get but, to. We will get. But to, the Yankees, um, you know. Yes. What about them? the Yankees run, uh, you know, the media and apparently us. Right. Because they're topical. Yeah, that one, uh, you know, I, I uh, one of my buddies, uh, my roommates got got uh, let go, uh, PJ Pilater. Well, hold on. Well, and, do you want, uh, can, I, can I? Well, you didn't, you didn't let me ask the question. JJ is going to be mad at us because you're not going to let me answer, answer the, ask the question. He said the Yankees coaching changes. Well, that's what he, but that's what JJ wrote about. So that's why I'm doing this question and Tom's question next week. I know. That's why I was answering it. Well, I know, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ask the question yet. Okay. All right. Is that Fullerton education there? All right. I'm just, just messing with you. All of my Fullerton, my Fullerton friends, all of my great pitchers that come from Fullerton um, and hitters, but you know, they're, Everybody drafts pictures out of there, especially the Phillies for whatever reason. Um, Jim and Jake. This is from JJ. Loyal listener, JJ. Um, sent to us via Jimbo Podcast 21 and gmail.com. Jim and Jake, it's been a while. Great job, Jake, on college recruiting. Thanks, JJ. Appreciate the compliment as well, especially clearing up the showcase end of it. Um, just out today, the Yankees fire. I don't know when he wrote this. I forget when he wrote this in, but take his word for it just out today the yankees fired phil nevin marcus thames and jake's friend pj pilater well it's scapegoating at its best nevin took the blame for getting aaron judge thrown out in the wild card game when Xander bogarts executed a perfect relay i suppose nevin was supposed to leave it up to joey gallo who strikes out almost 50 percent of the time as for thames and pilater i suppose they taught giancarlo stanton and judge to hit like they do hole in their swings and all. It was those coaches' faults that players get injured too. It brings me to my question. What do major league hitting coaches actually do? Do hitters like Stanton, Judge, and Gallo actually listen to them? That's a great question, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, a good high school coach or hitting instructor 
would not teach anyone to swing like Stanton, Judge, and Gallo. Thanks. And that is from JJ sent to us via Jimbo Podcast 21 at gmail.com. So there's a lot in there. And I'm, I don't know the answer to this. And JJ will probably write us in again. We always enjoy when our listeners stick with us and, and write us in. But uh, he, is he a Yankee fan? I, I, he seems upset at the Yankees. And he really seems mad at the organization and just the Yankees in general. So I'm wondering that. I don't know. Maybe you know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's sad. Two Fullerton guys lost their job. So, right. you know. But that's tough on the alumni. Base. Nevin surprised me, though, because I know he was close with Aaron Boone. Weren't they teammates in college? They were, right, at USC? Nevin went to Fullerton for crying out loud. Did he? Won the Golden Spikes. I I'm think. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But what I know they were, I thought they were close. Maybe. Well, they both grew up in Southern California. I apologize. Uh, All my yeah. Fullerton friends, USC. I apologize. Yeah. If it's up to me, take, I prefer. Who else you want to take? take? You want to take Wallach? I pre- no, no, I prefer. You want to take Kevin Costner from us too, Jim? I I prefer Fullerton as for a baseball program over USC, <laughs> if that's any consolation. USC won like, what, 10 in a row, 12 in a row or something with Rod Dato. Anyway, uh, good question again. Very detailed question. Yeah. Uh, some people listen to their hitting coaches and some don't. Sometimes it's a philosophy issue. That mm-hmm. seems to be the real buzzword now. A, differences, a difference in philosophy. Well, what does that mean? Maybe the hitting coaches are more realistic in game. Look, we want we don't want to strike out as much. You know, we want to put balls in play with two strikes. Maybe the front office is like, you know what? That doesn't work. We want to try to hit a, a three-run home run. We want to walk in a home run, or we want a single in a home run, or we want two home runs. So the whole philosophy thing seems to be coming up now. I don't know which side people are on. Um, the whole Nevin thing is, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it was a great relay. Yeah, I mean, it really was. He, and it looked worse than it, it was because it was a great relay and judges like six foot eight and he's trying to dive head first. Right. It's not a good look for a big person. So is that why he gets fired? No, I'm sure there were other issues. Maybe there were a lot of other people that got thrown out at home or whatever. You know, I mean, I mm-hmm. you got to watch every game to know what kind of third base coach he is. But mm-hmm. he's a great baseball person. He'd be a great bench coach. Um, so there may have been something different, um, something else in there that that didn't work yes every single um hitter has to be open to what the hitting coach is telling them Mm -hmm. um sometimes hitting coaches don't do anything they just are talking about you know getting the player comfortable for the game telling them what the pitcher's pitches are he throws this he throws that he throws you know this he's a behind in the count guy he comes right after you he likes to throw in the top of the zone or the bottom of the zone Sometimes it's that. And then let's work on B. What do you want to work on a BP? You want to go the other way today? Good. I'll throw the ball middle away and we'll just set that up and do it. Um, but yes, a big league hitting coach isn't going to go to a player and say, you know what you need to do is this. Yeah. That player is going to have to go and say, what are you seeing here? Mm-hmm. Um, how would you make this adjustment? You know, how would you help me make this adjustment? Yeah. Otherwise it doesn't work. You're just, you know, saying things. So I will say PJ is, I mean, that that dude, I remember I, I went and saw him, and usually when I go to a stadium and, and see somebody, I get to chat with them and talk with them on the field for a while and catch up. It was like, hey, man, I, I got talked to him for like three or four minutes, and then because before he was in the tunnel with Stanton, and then after 
BP, they went back to the tunnel again to hit again yeah. after regular BP. I mean, they were hitting nonstop. So, yeah. you know, there's obviously a connection there. They, they like each other. And by the way, Stanton had a great year. And Judge I think it's, really I think it's, great... it's underrated to his work ethic. I think he works very hard. Absolutely. But let's get it right. Like they didn't have bad years. No. And Judge you certainly know, Sanchez, did not. Sanchez was a bad defense. That cost him a lot of games behind the plate. Sanchez didn't hit either. Yeah. Torres. So that would be one of my issues was that guy's a much better hitter than he shows. Right. But maybe right. Torres doesn't give a flying whatever mm-hmm. of what, you know, Marcus Thames or PJ was telling him offensively. Yeah. You know, um, Gallo, Gallo's Gallo. He was only there for what, a couple months after mm-hmm. the trade deadline. Gallo's always struck out. <laughs> it's yeah. not anything new. Right. He, Feast you know, or famine. He, right. He's, yeah. And, and there's some underlying issues to why he does that, which I'm not at liberty to say. Um, but, you know, he's he strikes it. OK, you know what you're getting. Like not everybody can play in New York. You know, you get thrown in at the end of the year. So, yeah. um, yes. And, and I don't know if Boone, the whole Boone thing is really weird to me. I, I don't understand. He's under contract. What, for another month? Is that I what think he, when the World Series contract? ends? Yeah. Is it when the world, is that what his contract goes to? So it's like, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. They're not going to fire him because he's got a month left, but they also haven't presented him with a contract. Mm -hmm. So he can't go out and interview with other teams. Like, I really don't know that dynamic. So I guess he's coming back. Maybe one of the things was if you come back, you know, you need a different coaching staff. Right. And, And maybe that's what the issue was. So I wish I had, I wish I had something else. And the Yankees are always under the microscope, but Mm -hmm. The, the those hitters that you know he, he mentioned in there yeah you know i don't know what judge hit he hit over like 270 and well, i can pull up his numbers here I but stanton was maybe 265 or two i mean they drove in runs yeah. um but yes i think what jj was getting at was um you know shouldn't the blame be be, be on some of the players you know they didn't teach guys to get injured all the time and Somebody's got to take a take a fall. Well, somebody making a couple hundred grand, it's really easy to to not renew their contracts. When somebody's under contract and has a hundred hundred million dollars behind it for the next couple of years, it's hard to fire them. And I think that's unfortunately that is that is major league baseball coaches, that is pitching coaches, that's hitting coaches. Um, usually, oh, that's every sport, by the way, which is really sport, it's, right? it's a really nasty. And if it's not industry. the coordinator, it's the defensive line coach or the offensive line yeah. coach, right? And then the coordinator finally gets the boot at the end when he runs out of options. So, those are the guys that are going to unfortunately going to take the blame. And, and 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 whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. I mean, I'm defending him because I I know them, yeah, um, personally and. Um, well, because, you know, and you know what it's like, too, because you are a coach. I mean, you guys have a rough you guys. That's a rough life. You guys have not not to say that you're not successful. I'm not I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that a lot of the job security. I mean, it's a rough life. Yeah, it is. It's not it's it's almost borderline unfair. Um, By the way, with Aaron Judge, not sure. uh, And and I don't know if you could say Aaron Judge had necessarily a hole in his swing. Um, He was an all star this year. Played in 148 games, the most since 2017 when he played in 155. Now, he banged out 158 hits, a career high. He hit 39 home runs, drove in 98, struck out 158 times. Okay, whatever. Game of strikeouts, right? 75 walks, 
scored 89 runs, 24 doubles, no triples, which is kind of surprising. Um, and an on-base percentage of 373. So we talked about Aaron Judge, and I don't know how much of it, and he did make a swing in season swing adjustment, correct? So I thought his swing was better this year than I noticed ever. So I don't know if so here's what I'm getting at. I don't I don't know if it was Marcus Thames. I don't know if it was your friend PJ or if it was his hitting instructor or teacher dude or mm-hmm. this is I can't get his name right. I'm sorry. The teacher man. Teacher man. Maybe it was him. I don't know who to give credit. I don't to. know who it was either. Maybe it but was just he made him a, on his own. I don't looking. think he had uh, too much of a hole in his swing this year. I thought he was tremendous. He was the main key yeah. cog for the Yankees. So yeah. Give him credit there. Now, what's ironic to me with the Yankees, now that we're off kind of on a tangent, JJ, thank you, by the way, for the question. Great question. Uh, yeah. And if anybody has questions, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. What I find curious with the Yankees, they're, they got hurt a lot. They had a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Yet their head their head uh, strength and conditioning coach yeah, right. still employed. Right. Gary, you mentioned Gary Sanchez there. Struggled offensively, struggled defensively. They went to a new catching strategy that coach is still employed it's very it's it's bizarre to me right when when you it's very weird to me i don't i don't know and they're by the way their pitching coach matt blake new school type guy still employed Uh, last they have one of the as far as i've seen the biggest analytic department so and that may have been where some of the you know um Hmm. The difference, you know, the differences between philosophies came from. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Are are you just out of curiosity? Are you tired of that? There's a couple of sports cliches that I'm starting to really get annoyed with. Like, for example, um, the pro like a a process. It's a process. I'm so tired of hearing that. (laughs) You know, I'm so tired of hearing. Well, you know, it's we're going to draft this guy. It's a process. It's enough with the process stuff. They're they're supposed to be professional athletes and we need to be evaluating scouting drafting the right people and get them in place get them to develop forget the process thing get better every day and keep going enough with the process because i think what it does it it sets in complacency when you consistently say over and over again process process i mean do you use that at the lab you're delaying the inevitable right Right. i mean do you use that at do you use that at the lab where okay it's a process okay it's a process it, it creates complacency and it stretches a timeline that really shouldn't be stretched. There should be more urgency rather than the pro anyway. So that's one that annoys me. But the second one, see, I went off on a tangent Then I forget what the second one was going to be. So I guess whatever. Oh, Oh, philosophy difference. Different, it's a different, difference, in philosophy. difference in philosophy. Yeah. What does that mean? What do you mean difference? There should be one philosophy trying to win as many games as you can. And then you branch off into saying, okay, what can we agree with? What can we disagree with? How can we come together? Like, for example, Mike Schilt recently getting fired. Yeah, with the right. Cardinals. Difference in philosophy. Three straight Sorry. years going to the postseason. Right. Yeah. Brought the Cardinals back from dead this year. Oh, well, it's a difference in philosophy. What does that mean? Help me out here. What does that, what does that mean? Difference in philosophy. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't understand. It means that one, one of the, somebody didn't want to swim upstream being shill, right? Like they're, they must be big in analytics, right? And setting that's fine. And, and that's, and that's, I think yeah. Okay. That's fine. Like, but they traded Randy and Rosarena away. Yeah. And the no, Cardinals are a great organization. He wants to saying. manage a game. Like he wants to manage a game. He wants right. to 
set his defense. He wants to run his pitching staff and not worry about this. Like he wants to have a feel for that. And I don't think that the Cardinals did. This is my hypothesis and, yep. and, and which may, unless it's the opposite, which I don't think it is. Well, I look, the Cardinals are a great organization. I'm not saying they're not, I'm not saying they don't do things the right way, but the, the difference, and I, it's not just them. You hear it so much. Well, and it might be something totally different than that. It could be something nobody knows about. Right. And that's, and look, I get that. Right. But that's probably what it is. Me. Like there's something, something somewhere where people don't get along. They yeah. don't want to see each other anymore. Right. So there's yeah. a difference in philosophy and everyone's going to go their separate ways, separate ways. I think that's when people use that. I think that's kind of how it is. I don't want to sit in the same room as that person. Yeah. So we can't work together. Yeah. That's why you and I are on Zoom and not in the same room together. Correct. We, we do not want to see each other in person. Next week, overrated, underrated. Yes, 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 yes. It's our topic next week. And then this show. Oh, under completely underrated. Underrated. Completely underrated. We're the best might be hitting. The greatest, might be the greatest ever. We're the, we're the, we are the most underrated, but best hitting slash baseball podcast to ever hit the face of the earth. Yep. Ever. Ever in yep. audio land, ever. But you know, like we like to say, seventy-five episodes. It's a, it's a process. You know, it's a process. <laughs> Ugh, shut the fuck up. Enough already with that shit. Well, it's a process. It's a process. Yeah, here's, I got your process for you right here. So that's next week. Overrated, underrated. What do you got coming up at the lab, Mister Epstein? Sixteen hours of coaches training. Yeah, begins and. 10 hours yeah so that's what we got that's what we got going on at the lab we got 22 coaches something like that i feel bad for our friends north of the border we had some canadians that wanted to come down they couldn't Mm. get out couldn't get out of the country yeah but we'll do another one next year so that's what we got going on and and uh just training our players man they're getting better it's cool i come down every i come down once a month it's so cool to see the progress between players. You know, when you're there every, excuse me, you're there every day or every week and you see guys, you know, whatever. But when you don't see them for like four weeks, you see them get, you know, they're growing, they're getting a little bit bigger, stronger. All of a sudden their body's starting to move better. It was really cool the last couple of days for me to check it, check in on my players. So anyway, that's what's going on. And uh, for more information, where do they go? They can go to the labbcs.com. Mm-hmm. They can send an email to jake at the lab bcs.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They and can they, call us at the lab bcs.com. Phone number is listed on the lab bcs. Listed right on the website. You just have to click on it. You don't even have to dial it in. Also, fun it. little secret for those who watch on the YouTube side, you ready for this? There's a graphic that actually has the phone number on it. Another, Noel, that's another reason to. Where's it on this side? I don't know, but it's another reason to watch on the YouTube side. It takes up the whole screen. So it's on somewhere on the screen. Yeah. All right. Overrated, underrated next week. Thanks for listening, watching everybody. Sure to subscribe, email us, follow us. And we'll talk to you next week. So long.